Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. It is February 26, 2023. Today I wanted to talk about an important lesson we learned just last week from some COVID science that came out. So let's take a step back first and look at, let's look at the Varroa mite and what we know about pretty much what the world is trying to say about last year's disaster. If you remember, many conventional beekeepers and people like us even lost all or most of their bees and no one really knows why. Um, many people point to the Varroa mite other people are pointing to habitat, neonicotinoids, other pesticides. Other people are pointing to, to all kinds of, you know, reasons why all the bees in, in some apiaries died. Now, many of the beekeepers that lost all their bees treated religiously for varroa mites. Um, here at Wildflower Bee Farm, as servant beekeepers, we try to help our bees as best we can. So we are doing a trial. I've talked about this before with uh, a light dose of thymol, which is the herb comes from the herb thyme, thyme, T-H-Y-M-E, and also formic acid, which is a natural occurring acid in high concentrations. Actually, some of it's actually found in honey, but it's quite toxic. Uh, but we did try it on a few of our hives just to look at the long-term implications, and we're going to be tracking those. Uh, I can tell you, as of this date, there's no difference. The survival rates are the same. In fact, in one case, you could argue that we received, uh, there were 10 hives that had been treated last year by uh, a different beekeeper when they came in, and only four of those hives survived. But that could have absolutely nothing to do with anything. The point I'm trying to make is, despite all these treatments, uh, done in the world, uh, it appears that the mites may be winning or something's going on. So this past week here in Canada, we had a decision about the um, COVID. If you remember, there was a demonstration and then they called it an occupation in Ottawa. Uh, many people called it the bouncy castle hot tub experience. But if you lived in Ottawa, it wasn't a great time. And our, our fearless leader, uh, invoked a, an act that basically took away the rights of most people to do anything and they were able to clear it up pretty quickly in Ottawa. A report came out because that report's required and one of the things it said had to do with the um, fact that the majority of people that were protesting were protesting because of the issue of the vaccine. So truckers basically during the start of the campaign or sorry the the um, start of the uh, pandemic were were the lifeline for most Canadians. They brought us food and in some cases water and they, you know, they risked their lives. They, in fact, they didn't even have a place to go to the bathroom, we heard. They couldn't stop at the truck stops because they were closed. Um, they couldn't get food, but they continued to work despite that. And once things got a little bit better, um, different governments and countries came along and said, well, if you're not vaccinated, uh, you can't cross the border. You can't, you can't do your job. And that was why the protest initiated. But, but the point of all that really is we get to the vaccine. So this past week, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation actually funded research 
And the research came out on NBC. So, you, you know, if it came out on Fox or something, I can understand people saying, oh, it's, you know, whatever, even though it's probably good research. But in this case, it came out on NBC, but it was published in Lancelet, which is a primary scientific journal, referee journal. And it was funded by the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation, who certainly are not what you would consider uh, anti-vax fans in any way. And the study did a meta-analysis and looked at what happened to people who had naturally um, occurring antibodies from getting COVID without any treatment. And the study proved definitively that the antibodies and the, the people who had COVID and survived should have been on par with those who had received a vaccine. If not, it was superior to getting a vaccine. Now, remember, this is a scientific finding. So in Europe, if you had antibodies, you would get a what they called at that time, I think, a COVID pass, because it turns out that nature did something to us that allowed us to uh, survive should we get a different version of the virus, which happens. So people would have gotten a certain strain of COVID, a new strain comes along, they still get sick, but they don't have any serious uh, implications or serious uh, medical issues, which is similar to what ended up being the fact, perhaps with the vaccine. So initially, we were told the vaccines would stop us from getting COVID. Then they told us it would stop us from transmitting it and getting it, and those were not true. And finally, they said, well, okay, maybe it stops you from getting severely sick, and that turned out to be maybe true. But this study by um, these research scientists, funded again by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation proved that nature was able to help us fight that virus. Now let's jump to the honeybees. We know that if we treat honeybees for mites, it up until this point had been the thing to do. So if you, if you, in fact, you were, you were almost treated as an anti-vaxxer if you didn't treat your bees. Now over time there have been, um, more and more beekeepers out of necessity and some because they just didn't like being around toxic chemicals who decided to try to find a uh, if you will a strain of bees or treatment free bees or bees that will be able to survive despite having varroa mites because we know that mites are part of the bee hive the question is are they to the point of saturation of causing harm to a hive and now there seems to be more more science pushing beekeepers and universities and others to look at ways to help bees survive without having to undergo all of those treatments. And that is reassuring. And I'm wondering if we could simply learn from this COVID experience. If we could open our minds up, and this is one of the things I've found that even though I'm a servant beekeeper and I don't get, I don't hang around a lot of beekeepers, I don't go to any conferences or anything, but I know it's a very if you will, fragmented world where, uh, you know, many feel if you don't think the way they do, then there's something wrong with you. And I remember I was calling around last year when all my bees didn't make it to a few of the beekeepers that made it, had some hives survive. And I said, okay, how did you, you know, what did you do? What did you do you think differently that helped your bees survive when many of us lost all their bees? And 
the the certainty of the conclusions was really sort of striking for me. So people would say things like, well, this is the way you have to raise bees or they're all going to die. Or if you don't do X, Y, or Z, they're all, or if you don't use this strain of bee, or if you um, allow them to be close to agricultural fields, they're all going to die. And it went on and on. And everybody, you know, well-meaning, and you got to hand it to them, their bees survived, so maybe all of these things are true. But I didn't know of anybody going out collecting that data, just just as with COVID. What they're doing is they're they're looking at new treatment methods, you know, they say the, the mites have got immunity to some of the pesticides that are being used and so on. But instead, we probably should be going out and talking to all these great beekeepers with a lot of history behind them because there will be answers there to help us. Now, I went back and looked at all the mistakes I made, and there were many that led to, I believe, the failure of our hives. And one really important one had to do with a failure to provide genetic diversity when we started. And the second failure was not splitting enough hives so that we could continue to discover what would be the best strain of bees, if you will, to propagate on the farm here. One of the beekeepers that we, I absolutely, totally, I mean, I respect all of them, but I've had experience with uh, BLB Honey in Dresden, and they helped me get started many years ago, it seems. And we talked about their experience, and they had split many, many hives because they were trying to increase their size of their hives for um, business purposes, help farmers pollinate, and so on. And because they split their hives so many times, sometimes two or three times, uh, you know, a hive would be split, uh, they felt that was probably a huge contributing factor to their success. They also have a Buckfest Kearney combo of bees. Um, and it's hard to say, but there's a there's a possibility. We know that allowing bees to swarm or splitting them significantly, because a, a hive may swarm two or three times a year, it would make sense that that may help them um, develop different uh, skills and strategies to overcome those issues. So, so long story short, what can we learn from the COVID experience? It's that nature is powerful and uh, the body, whether it's a mammal such as a human or an insect or a honeybee, is able to adapt if given an opportunity to adapt. And you know, I've I've just had six. I did the count with Mary. I've had six vaccines. So I've had in the past, I'd say year or so, or since COVID started, I guess. And I don't usually get anything, but I had three COVID vaccines. I had uh, two for shingles. I had one for the flu and one for pneumonia. I think that's seven. Hang on. So so I just, I, this morning, felt normal on the treadmill after a week of my second shingles shot, which was brutal. It was brutal, as, were the, as was my third COVID shot. And, of course, I did catch COVID after the third shot, and, it, and I was very grateful that I did. It didn't matter to me. Um, and so did Mary. So, so all of that put together sort of reaffirms that we really don't know very much and we need to continue to work to try to better understand how to help nature help solve its own problems and sometimes it means just getting out of the way i'm hank for the wildflower bee farm look forward to talking with you again next time and what are your thoughts on this topic